Welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, The Testimony of Yeshua. This is part six of the series. So next we're going to see that the lawgiver, Yeshua, was asked when he came to this earth at his first coming, of all the commandments of your Torah, which is the greatest? Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 to 39. Yeshua was asked, Master, what is the great commandment in the Torah? And Yeshua said, The greatest of all the commandments is, You shall love Yahweh your Elohim, all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is the first and the greatest commandment. So this is a reference to two places. The first that Yeshua was referring to is Deuteronomy and chapter 6 and verses 4 and 5 which says hear O Israel the Lord our God is one Lord and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your might and a second reference to this greatest commandment is Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 12 the question is asked and now Israel what does the Lord your God require of you what does he require and in the verse it says he requires to love him and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul so Yeshua said that this is the first and the greatest commandment and then he said the second is like it and that is you shall love your neighbor as yourself so here Yeshua was making a reference to Leviticus in chapter 19 at the end of verse 18 that you shall love your neighbor as yourself I am the Lord so Yeshua just taught that of all the commandments in his Torah given that he's the lawgiver the greatest is to love the Lord your God with all your heart mind soul and strength and the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbors yourself now if you would ask most Christians particularly those who attend church regularly most Christians are going to be familiar with these two commandments of the Torah and they are going to be familiar with the instruction that you're supposed to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and your neighbors yourself. But if you would ask them, how do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? And they'll probably give you some sort of an answer that's associated with that it's a feeling, it's an emotion in your heart that you feel and you emotionally love him. You have thoughts toward him and desires to love him. But 
the Bible defines that love by something that we show him by what we do. So now I'm going to make the biblical connection for you, and I'm going to show you how the commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength is fulfilled through the Hokim commandments. And the commandment to love your neighbors yourself is fulfilled through the Mishpatim commandments. And I'm going to show you this connection that Yeshua made for us, beginning in Luke, in chapter 10, and verses 25 to 28, where it reads, beginning in Luke, chapter 10, verse 25, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Well, first of all, when most Christians might be reading this part of scripture, when they read the phrase inherit eternal life, they're probably going to write into their mind and in their thoughts being saved and spending eternity with Yeshua. But if this verse, when it speaks of inheriting eternal life, if this verse is referring to, as Christians would regard as getting saved and thus The reward of getting saved is to spend eternity with Yeshua. Let's see what Yeshua said is how we inherit eternal life. Was and does this mean getting saved? Well, Yeshua replied in Luke chapter 10 verse 26 and says, What is written in the Torah regarding how you inherit eternal life? How do you read it or how do you interpret it? And so the lawyer, or perhaps the rabbi, answered Yeshua and said that how I understand how the Torah defines the way you inherit eternal life is that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and secondly, you love your neighbor as yourself. And so regarding that answer that Yeshua was given regarding the question, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Yeshua's reply was the following in Luke chapter 10, verse 28. Yeshua answered and said, you have answered right. You have answered correctly. This do and live. Well, I've already presented to you, Christians already understand that we do not receive salvation by our own personal merit and our own works and the merit of our own works, that our righteousness comes through Yeshua's righteousness when we receive what he did for us and when we receive his shed blood for the forgiveness of our sins. That's how we receive righteousness in him. And in receiving righteousness in him, that's how we receive eternal life and salvation. This is called imputed righteousness. Imputed meaning something we're given, something that we don't earn of ourselves. But that being the case, we can see that in Luke chapter 10 verse 25, inherit eternal life doesn't mean getting saved in the traditional Christian way because Yeshua said how you inherit eternal life is that you fulfill loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and fulfill loving your neighbors yourself, which that's something that we do. So Yeshua was not answering the question, how do we get saved? 
But how do we receive reward once we get saved? And that is an inheritance that we receive after we have been given salvation and imputed righteousness in Yeshua. That is because if you look at Luke chapter 10, verse 25, the word there for life is the Greek word zoe. And zoe means the best that life has to offer, the mountaintop of life that we may think of as the zenith of life. And Yeshua said that's what he came to give us is the best that life can offer us in this world. John chapter 10 and the last part of verse 10, Yeshua said, I've come that you might have life, Zoe, and have it more abundantly. So Zoe is the abundant life. Zoe is the best of life that you can have. And the corresponding Hebrew word to the Greek word Zoe is the Hebrew word chai. And many of you may be familiar with the Hebrew word chai because you're probably familiar with the words that are said when you're making a Hebrew toast between two people. And so when they make a toast, they say the words lachayim, which literally translates to life. But what is meant by the toast in the words to life? So What's being said is one party is basically saying to the other party that I wish that you would have the very best that life has to offer, which in Hebrew is chai. And the other party says, well, I wish that you as well would have the best that life has to offer, which is high. Can we agree that we both will have the best that life has to offer? Yes, let's agree to that. How are we going to agree with the toast in the words L'chaim, to life. May we both have the best that life has to offer. So in Hebrew, the word is high. In Greek, the word is zoe. And so often when zoe is found in our Bibles, that's translated as life or even eternal life, we render it in our minds as getting saved. And in the picture of the tabernacle, getting saved was going through the eastern door of the tabernacle and entering in the tabernacle. And then that brazen altar is a picture of getting saved, going through the door and the the work of the brazen altar, because the work of the brazen altar represents Messiah dying on the tree. So that's just the beginning of your journey. As well, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, They came out of Egypt, Egypt being a type of the world and the world system, because when the children of Israel were in Egypt, they were in bondage, and we are in bondage to the world and the world system when we live a sinful lifestyle. That sin brings about bondage in our lives. So how did the children of Israel come out of that Egyptian bondage? They put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. So who does that lamb prophetically foreshadow? It foreshadows Yeshua because in John, in chapter 1 and verse 29, John sees Yeshua and says, the lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. And then in 1 Corinthians in chapter 5, 
And verse 7, it says, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened, for even Messiah our Passover is sacrificed for us. So Yeshua is our Passover. Yeshua is the Lamb of God. The children of Israel came out of Egypt by putting the blood of the Lamb on the doorpost. And so that is foreshadowed in... Christianity getting saved. So the spiritual application of the children of Israel physically putting the blood of the Lamb on the doorpost is receiving salvation that Yeshua offers when he shed his blood on the tree and us repenting of our sins and receiving him into our heart and our lives. So that's salvation. But the children of Israel were brought out of Egypt not just to put the blood of the Lamb on the doorpost and remain there, that the purpose that the God of Israel had for them and bringing them out of Egypt is to take them to the promised land. We can see this in Deuteronomy in chapter 6 and verses 23 and 24. It says, He brought us out from there, that is Egypt, that he might bring us in to give us a land which he swore to our fathers. That's the promised land. And the Lord commanded us to do these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always that he may preserve us alive as it is this day. And so therefore what Christians call salvation was personified in the children of Israel putting the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. But the purpose that the God of Israel had for bringing his people out of Egypt was to take them to the promised land. And regarding them going into the promised land, we are told that they are going to inherit the promised land. So going into the promised land and ultimately reaching Jerusalem is the goal or the fulfillment of the spiritual journey in coming out of Egypt. And the question that God asked in Luke chapter 10, verse 25, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life, which was personified by the children of Israel going into the promised land? So in the spiritual picture, those that went into the promised land had already put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, so they were saved. And so was their salvation, was the children of Israel's salvation something that they earned? No. They got saved by grace through faith. So we can see that it was grace that brought them out because it says in Exodus in chapter 3, Exodus in chapter 3 and verse 21, it says, I'm going to give this people and the King James says favor in the sight of the Egyptians and it will come to pass that when you go, you will not go empty. So this word favor is the Strong's number 2580. It's the Hebrew word chain. And that word chain, the Strong's number 2580, is translated as grace in Genesis chapter 6 verse 8. That Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So we could translate it this way in Exodus chapter 3 verse 21. I will give this people grace in the sight of the Egyptians. It will come to pass that when you go, you will not go empty. So the grace of the God of Israel was present to bring his people out, but it required their faith as well. And what was their faith that they had to show and do was to put the blood of the lamb upon the doorpost. So the children of Israel were not delivered, saved, redeemed out of Egypt based upon their own merit, but they were saved, redeemed, or delivered out of Egypt by grace through faith, by putting the blood of the Lamb on the doorpost. And so what the children of Israel did literally, spiritually, is personified in Christianity 
when you accept Yeshua, who is the Lamb of God, and his shed blood for the forgiveness of your sins, repent of your sins, and receive him into your heart and your life, making Savior and Lord of your life, and by confession, ask him to be your Savior and your Lord. That's how you get saved and you receive imputed righteousness. So the children of Israel then was going to then go into the promised land. So putting the blood of the lamb on the doorpost wasn't the spiritual height of their experience of coming out of Egypt. It was to complete the journey and to go into the promised land and ultimately to dwell in Jerusalem and have a king over them who would rule over all 12 tribes. This was fulfilled in the days of King David when he ruled over all 12 tribes from Jerusalem. That was the purpose. That was the goal of the journey because that King David ruling over all 12 tribes from Jerusalem is a prophetic foreshadowing of the ultimate spiritual goal that the God of Israel has in mind for his people, and that is the Messiah ruling over all 12 tribes from Jerusalem. That will happen when he sets up his kingdom. And in setting up his kingdom, we're told in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 3, that out of Zion shall go forth the Torah and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So, inheriting eternal life, the picture of it here is going into the promised land, not putting the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. So the question that Yeshua was answering in the picture of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt was, what do I have to do to go into the promised land and to defeat the enemies in the promised land and to dwell in peace in Jerusalem with a king over us that was a God-appointed, God-anointed king? What do we have to do to do that? And so this came for the children of Israel after they were saved by grace through faith. After they were saved by grace through faith, then they came to Mount Sinai and they were given commandments about how they were to live their lives on a daily basis to show the one who had already saved, redeemed, or delivered them by grace through faith, how they were to live their lives on a daily basis to please the one that brought them out of Egypt. And by pleasing the one that brought them out of Egypt, they then would be able to go into the promised land and inherit that promised land. But they had to believe the covenant promise that was made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they needed to be obedient to his Torah in the wilderness. Those that did not believe the covenant promise, which was personified by the ten spies who came back and gave an evil report, and the people that believed that evil report, that they couldn't go and take the land, thus they did not believe the covenant promise, as well as those who were disobedient to the Torah at Mount Sinai, they ended up dying in the wilderness. And thus, they didn't get to inherit the promised land. They didn't get the best of life that God was wanting to give them from bringing them out of Egypt. And uh, when they died in the wilderness, they failed to inherit eternal life. So how do you receive this eternal life? How do you inherit the best of life, the promised land? The promised land is also a spiritual picture of doing God's will in your life. Now, in order to do God's will in your life, you have to live your lifetime to do his will. And doing his will is associated with the spiritual harvest of your life in living your life from being a spiritual babe into full spiritual maturity. And so given that 
the Greek word zoe is the highest form of life there is that corresponds to the Hebrew word chai. And chai is the Strong's number 2416 in the Strong's Greek Dictionary. We can see then when, for example, we have the story of the rich young ruler. And the question that the rich young ruler asked was, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? So commonly, this is read in Christianity regarding what do I have to do to get saved? And so actually with the rich young ruler, what he was asking was, what do I have to do to get the the best of life that you, Yeshua, the Messiah, has to offer? So we have this account in Matthew chapter 19, beginning in verse 16. When one came to Yeshua and said, good master, what shall I do that I might receive eternal life? The best of life that you have to offer me. But instead of understanding that Zoe is the best of life that you can have, Christians often interpret this, what I have to do to get saved. And so what do you have to do to have the best of life in Yeshua? Well, you have to come out of Egypt. You have to be saved by grace through faith. And then after you're saved by grace through faith, you must receive his Torah written upon your heart by his spirit. And you must endeavor to live your lifestyle following his Torah and so Yeshua said to the rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 19, verse 17, that if you want to enter into life, if, if you want the best of life that I have to offer, the process begins by keeping the commandments. And he said, which one? And Yeshua said, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness. So these are commandments about how you treat other people. This is mishpatim. And honor your father and mother, love your neighbors yourself. So the way you have and can have the best of life that Yeshua offers, the process is keeping his mishpatim and treating other people properly. That is the most important, is how we treat other people. Because Yeshua chastised the Pharisees for neglecting the weightier issues of the Torah, Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. And he rebuked the Pharisees and said unto them at the end of Matthew 23, 23, you've omitted the weightier issues of the Torah, which is judgment, mishpat, mercy, and faith, trust in the God of Israel. And so the rich young ruler says to Yeshua, I've done these things. I've treated other people properly. Is there anything I lack to have the best of life that you have to offer? And Yeshua says, if you are to be perfect. Now, this is the Hebrew word. If we take it back to the Hebrew of tamim. Tamim means to be spiritually mature. And here in the Greek, it's the Greek Strong's number 5046. And if we look up the Greek Strong's number 5046, we can see that it is going to be the Greek word teleos. And teleos, if you do a study on that, means spiritually mature. He says, if you want to be spiritually mature, go and sell that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. In other words, if you want the best of life, that I have to offer, it starts by treating other people properly. 
Well, that's going to conclude part six of the series on the subject, the testimony of Yeshua. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.